Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. And you don't know until you get to opening night and then you get back to, to after and you're like, okay, maybe that wasn't as, uh, as Damn, good we, we thought, thought this was funny. That was the, <laughs> yeah. the show we've already sure with self for yeah. the last... Four weeks, we came up with it. Day three, we're like, yes, that's a that's an absolute <laughs> yeah. moment. And then you get out there and nothing happens. You're like, yeah. really? Damn this it. is so, this is so... And then there's some throwaway line that doesn't mean anything. They every night like, gets a massive, massive reception. What we do here is go back, 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 back. And we're back. And we are back. The Bros and Brews podcast on a Saturday afternoon. The sun is waning away. It's just going behind the the houses that I'm staring at up. But there's plenty of day left. How are you going, man? Yeah, good, mate. Good. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a beautiful day up here today. We've had a good um, run. I don't know about it, you, been, but... Yeah, yeah. no, uh, uh, Auckland has been strange, I must say. It's rains, and then it gets warm, and then it gets cold, and then it starts raining again. So it's been very, very up and down. But at the same time, I'm not complaining about the rain, because as I've been saying, we need the rain up here. Um, but no, today has been a... I don't oh, know. There's still a bit of a chill in the air, I must say. But it reminds me of Wellington, so that's nice. Oh, look, people talk about can't be Wellington on a good day. It has been three absolute pearlers in a row. Um, yeah, I've been just out and walking sort of into town the last few days. And man, it made such a difference for your mental health when there's a bit, of, so sun, does. A bit of sunshine outside. Yeah, um, definitely. And I haven't been tracking like what time the sun goes down, but I feel like we must be at the period of time now where it isn't so early that you're noticing it early because I haven't even thought about it recently. So it must yeah, be well, what, like six o'clock? Yeah, I think a few weeks ago we had the shortest day, didn't we? That was some time ago, like three, oh, was three some... weeks or so, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's all blending for me now, I must say. Oh, look, it's just... I had hopes of spring this week. Thoughts yeah. of spring in my head. <laughs> I saw a, a lovely sort of blossoming pink tree in Central <gasps> Park in Brooklyn, and I thought, oh, we're working oh, through winter. We're working yes. through winter. Um. But yeah, pretty good week for you. Anything interesting? Anything of note? No, no. I mean, much like what we talked about last week, you know, nine to five, just just doing my job every day, days off. Um, but uh, no, nah, nothing too... Oh, but a few plans, a few plans uh, with work have been pushed back a little bit longer. So going to be spending a bit more time at St. Luke's just for another week. But mm-hmm. hey, that's no hair off my back. You know what it is. Um, but no, I mean, pretty, pretty normal. Rachel's been down in Wellington, down mm-hmm. in, in your neck of the woods this week. So I've just kind of been chilling with mama, spending some mama time, which is nice. Quality family time. 
As, yeah, I love it. That's the night. That's the one that. Well, I know there's a few nice things about being in Auckland, but being up here in Auckland, the whole family's up here. So just being able to spend time with mum, I mean, you know, I was in Wellington for six, seven years. So being up here with family is definitely, definitely a boost to the yeah. morale. That has, that was something for me during, during lockdown. I mean, I saw mum and dad, they came over to the, the UK a couple of times while I was over mm. there, but just spending time with, with family was definitely one of the, the best things about lockdown for me. There's something very low pressure about, yeah. about hanging out with, with family I think coming back to Wellington and being around so many old friends and quite a lot of good friends, there can be quite a lot of, not not peer pressure, but pressure, you know, there's always people to hang out with. And if there's days where you yeah. don't want to do anything, you kind of can't hang out with friends and not do anything. Whereas you can mm-hmm. hang out with your family and, and not do anything. And not do anything. Um, yeah, true. And man, sometimes not doing anything is the best thing. Oh, I agree. I agree. I I, lo- I love having my alone time. It's good. It's good. It's that introverted tendencies. It all hey, boils back hey, down to the old yes, wise it does. Yes, it does. <laughs> but hey, I got a question for you. Hit me. My question to you for this week is: Are you superstitious? Ooh. And mm. if so, where on the scale? It's not really a yes/no question. I've asked it as a yes/no question, but <laughs> in terms of being a superstitious person, do you are there th- do you feel like you're superstitious? Not, not really. No. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess. I mean, as as people have been coming to know with doing these chats and you yourself, I'm quite I'm quite a grounded person. Yeah. Um, so I kind of like living in uh, reality and rationalizing everything. So superstition not really i mean i always make a joke at work because we sell umbrellas and obviously i want to show people the umbrellas mm. uh inside so i'm like you know before i open it i'm like are you superstitious they're like no no like, nah, neither am i open the umbrella start waving it about the store kind of thing uh broken mirrors nah walking under ladders no um i guess the only the only one that really does hit home for me um and it's a big thing in in moldy culture uh is fantails oh yeah yeah the old fantail in the house um is uh yeah but a bit a bit tapu hapu tapu 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 yeah uh in the sense of if a fantail comes into the house it means someone near and dear uh is about to pass away uh and something like that and it hasn't happened um in in my uh in, in my close bubble uh, but it has happened to people around me where our uh, fantails have have entered, and I've heard many stories of this happening. Really? So that, yeah, yeah. So that's probably the the one thing I would say probably still still hits home a little bit. Um, yeah. And I love I love fantails just as a as a as a bird of bird of prey, bird of, bird of prey, I didn't bird actually, creature. I didn't know that that was a. I don't know. Superstition is superstition isn't necessarily the right. It falls under the right category, but I didn't know that fantail <laughs> in the house was was a thing yeah yeah it is yeah someone someone's someone's to pass that's what that means so i've had many people have fantails fly into the house and then all of a sudden it's like oh no you know like who's when's it happening and all this because you, you don't know you don't know yeah. when the, the the clock is going to end but yeah that is that is something that's always been in um in in multi-culture i mean i i like birds as much as the next person i don't know if i would be able to spot a fantail straight away. I mean, I know I presume mm. that you know 
the truth is in the name. I presume fantails have a fan-like tail, but... <laughs> yes, very, that, yes. <laughs> I, I'd probably be, if a fantail came into the house, I'd probably be asking, is, it, is this, guys, is this, is this a robin? What is it, sparrow? What are we, we good? <laughs> oh, just, just, oh, it's a butterfly. Okay, we're fine. Oh, okay, sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Look, if moths in the house were, were a superstition thing, everyone would be buggered. Because... Oh, everyone, everyone would be falling left, right and centre. Yeah. Well, I, I don't really, I'm similar, like the whole don't walk under ladders thing black cats broken mirrors that stuff that doesn't register with me at all mm, but mm. i think i am quite a superstitious person yeah and in, in a more ephemeral like i don't i don't know think of specific examples but it, strangely this week i had quite a a strange sequence of events sort of happen in the space of a couple of hours where I'll try and rattle through it as fast as possible. Basically, I've been doing boxing classes two nights a week. And there was... So I had a, I had a class on Monday. Packed my bag. And as people may or might know, with, with boxing, you have your boxing gloves and your boxing wraps, the kind of inner things to secure your secure your hands. Um, and I packed both of them and then I changed my towel and then I left the house. And I got to the top of a street five minutes away from my house and I went, I think I've only got one wrap even though I'd, I'd definitely packed two, just something reminded me then I had no reason to only realize then. And I went, I think I've only got one wrap. And I pushed through that. I went, no, ignore that. You definitely packed two. 20 minutes later, walked to the boxing place, opened my bag. Of course, no wrap. That was the first thing. The oh. second thing was that before I'd left the house, I had this strange feeling that the person who ran the boxing class on Monday nights was going to be sick. Someone, different does the class every night and before i left i just went i think i think mike's gonna be sick tonight and joe's <laughs> gonna take the class instead so much so that i went on the facebook page for the boxing gym that i go to and checked to see if there was any update and no update or anything so i was like well fine i'll go to class mm-hmm. got to the class had found out that i only had one rap as i'd suspected and then this other person joe walks in and she was like oh yeah sorry mike's sick tonight i'm i'm taking oh. the class and i just went that is so so weird bro that's maybe two you're of just three. psychic that's two of three and then okay. the third thing i finished the class and because the class is like half an hour walk away from from my parents house where i was staying that night i said to to mum dad i was like look i'm happy to walk home but if dad wants to come pick me up whatever that's fine i'm not ashamed ashamed to have a, a ride with with my dad at 24 mm-hmm. but but mm-hmm. i'm happy to mm-hmm. walk home and so i came out of the the class Turned my phone off from airplane mode. No text from mum or dad. So I was like, okay, no, it's coming. That's fine. I'll walk home. And I left the building and I just went, I'm sure he's coming. I just have a feeling that he's coming. And I, so I texted my mum and I said, uh, w- walking home. And then she replied to me with a text that said, uh, you can always phone him. Phone spelled PH. Just that. Mm-hmm. Which I was like, this is a bit of a weird text. Are you telling me to call dad or... I was like, whatever, it doesn't matter, I'm, I'm walking. And so I got to near Taranaki Street, um, near the War Memorial, if people are listening in Wellington will know who this is. But basically, I got there and I just went, no, I'm so sure that he's coming. And so I stopped <laughs> in an island on Taranaki Street and there was Dad driving the car. What? And he had sent me a text. It's, it showed on his phone. He had sent me a text that had sent from his phone, but I hadn't received so it was just stuck, oh, stuck in the air. It was in the cloud. It was in the cloud. And not only that, 
Mum had sent me two texts, one of which had said, Dad is coming to pick you up, and the one I received that said, uh, you can always phone him. So of the mm-hmm. three texts that were sent, I only received the one that didn't contain any information of him coming. And this all happened in the space of like two hours, and I was just I was just emotionally exhausted from all of this <laughs> stuff going on. Just the constant like I can this is I can I just can tell I only have one glove. I can tell this person's going to be sick. I can tell, like, there's obvious, you know, you can pick up on things from people based on the relationships you have with them, or you could say, like, it's sick season, and of course this person would get sick. But it was just these these small things happening in a row. But they were very specific things, though. Yeah, yeah. And that just... Strangely, that hasn't prompted me to ask this question. I only just just remembered it while we were chatting. (laughs) But things like that kind of get to me or they register mm. with me on a certain level or if i've done something in the past that's you know resulted in and something bad happening i can i feel like my brain holds on to those memories or when i used to play sport i was big on you know putting a certain boot on before the other boots uh, yeah, or like true. for padding yep. up for cricket like putting things yep. on in a certain order that stuff kind of registers and so i think i don't think the this is a walk under a ladder you have this much bad luck or this Mm, is a sign mm, of death mm. that kind of doesn't register with me but i think my brain is such that i will hold on to superstitions and small and small things where i know that some people would just be like clearly putting your boots on in a certain way for for a rugby game doesn't affect your performance at all no but but i mean it does yeah no but it's that it's that uh mentally it is you know you're putting you're putting things in line and and checklists and things like that and if you don't do it in a specific way then it it does it messes with your uh, because i I, actually thinking back to it say i was the same i was the same with my um with with rugby as well i had a certain way i'd actually used to put uh, my right sock on first Mm -hmm. and then put my right boot on before i put my left sock on and then put my left boot on it was just something that, yeah, I, I always did. So, yeah, no, uh, thinking back on that, there, there are a few little things. But honestly, like I said before, I think maybe you're just psychic. I mean, <laughs> how can I use these powers for for good slash personal gain? <laughs> well, I mean, uh, looking at us right now, we're both wearing maroon. So we maybe are. you picked up on that sense. I was wearing a maroon oh, jumper. It was just, it was so strange. But I think strange things can happen in the world all the time like one interesting story uh, again i'll I'll fast track it but basically when i was living in london and working in this flower job which was essentially a salesperson job we were in pop-up stores one day i was in this pop-up shop um in covent garden near christmas time so very busy like tens Mm -hmm. hundreds of thousand people coming through that area every day and some days i'd you know stand in the door sometimes i'd be inside the shop sometimes more actively talking to people you know trying to get people to stop and chat sometimes i'd just be in the shop and like letting people come in um and there was a day where i i saw a a person that i'd gone to school with who i hadn't seen in about six years just walk past the shop and in my end in my head i was like i guess you could you know there are lots of people in london that you know it's 11 million people and it's a hub of sort of europe so that's not that surprising but it was more even if this person was in London, the chance of them walking down the street on my side of the road mm. in the hours that I'm here and I was outside the shop, had a chat to him. And then an hour later, another person that I went to school with, same school that I hadn't seen for nine years, walked past the exact same 
side of the road, what? the exact same situation. And I was just like, what are the chances of this happening? Yeah. I know London's a big, like, it's a really frequented city, but to have two people, both who are not really in my life anymore, yeah, both who went to the school that only had about 100 people in the year group, mm. within my year group with me, that I hadn't seen in almost the same amount of time. It was just, it was just mental. I was like, the, the chances of this is so low, and yet it happens every it day. Happened. To just yeah. you get your one weird thing once a year or once every two years. Or but yeah, I, I when those things happen, I kind of just go, uh, what's happening? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I wish I had a weird story. Now I don't have any at the moment. You'll think Damn about it. it in like twenty minutes. So whatever yeah, we'll, we're, we'll... whatever we're talking about, just <laughs> cut on and just. <laughs> just say just yell, chuck it drop in. the mic just yell stop <laughs> yeah. the press and just start stop the diving press. in with a story yeah, yeah, um, yeah. but yeah I, that's really it's interesting to hear you this the story about the the fantail thing because i know in some cultures it seems that superstition is you know a lot of the time associated with with ill happenings or death mm. Or, mm. or sickness mm. i'm sure there's ancient superstitions to do with you'll have a blessed marriage this or you'll yeah. have a long and yeah. prosperous life that but a lot of the time they are quite down the sort of the negative side of things but yeah i feel like for me they tend to register in a in a capacity that i can convince myself you're not doing yourself or anyone else any harm the whole yeah, you putting yeah. your boot a on a bit more mundane yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that's interesting we'll, we'll, tomorrow you'll probably have some some strange strange occurrence and and I'll be like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. welcome. There you are. Welcome. Yep. Put your rugby boots back on. <laughs> Only the right one. Um, but to move on, today what Matt and I really wanted to talk about, um, to bring things back round to the world of performing arts and, and acting, is we wanted to talk about exactly, exactly that, didn't we? Acting, yeah. and more specifically, kind of the hard-to-answer question of, what makes a great actor? Yeah. What makes what is a good what is a good actor? Is there such a thing? Um, opening thoughts. Yeah, well, I mean, I think, I mean, just from probably your own experience and my own experience of watching shows and TV and film and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I think there are good actors and there are bad actors. Um, I think. You know, I mean, it's it, as as this podcast is, and our thoughts and stuff, and and when you watch things, everything is subjective. You know, we yeah. all have our own opinions, and we all have our own tastes, obviously. Um, but yeah, I think that there definitely are good actors. Um, you know, people that have been working on their craft for years, um, and they really know how to hone in on themselves and hone into a character that they're playing. Because, I mean, the first thing I want to say, which is probably the most obvious thing when it comes to a good actor, is that they have to be believable. Like, mm-hmm. you have to be able to look at this person, dis- disassociate whatever you know about this person, whether it be on their real lives or what other things that they've done, and look at them and be like, yeah, this person is this character right now and I am believing every single thing that they are doing on stage or on screen. Like, that's one and foremost. You have to be able to... The actor has to be able to do their job. They have to be able to lie to you that they are not the person that they are in real life on stage right now. Mm. Yeah, I think believability is a really really good word because even if even if you don't know who the actor is 
you know, mm. even if they're not some super renowned, you know, has been in the industry for X amount of years, it can still be a, a show or a play, you know, set in the 1600s. And you know that you are watching, say, this TV program that wasn't made in the 1600s. You know, yeah. Even yeah. if you don't know the people, they have to convince you that this product was created as just as not a work of fiction. That's a true yeah. story of what's going on. Um, yeah. I think what you said about it, it being subjective is, is completely true. And another couple of words that I wrote down was intangible and indefinable. Like acting mm. isn't, it isn't a tangible craft. Like most yeah. arts, you know, painting is subjective. Art is subjective. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all, all, most of the creative industries are subjective products that people agree and disagree. And I think acting is kind of, indefinable as hard as you know people that write books about acting try to sort of say the art of acting is this and like the art of acting is is this and i mean being at drama school and being at university and reading some methodology books sometimes when people phrase that sentence i really agree with what they say it doesn't mean you can't create a good sentence that acting is is this but as a whole it's it's pretty hard to define i think what you said about the fact that there are good actors is sort of where I was leaning towards. And what I kind of also wanted to offer is the idea that there isn't really such a thing as a bad actor. Mm. Like there are people who have a lack of training or bad Mm. acting instincts, or there's such thing as overacting overacting. Yeah. But, but to label something as kind of bad acting, I think, that's kind of going down the wrong path. I think it's more, there are people that clearly excel at this, you know, as, as you would say, you know, there's a person that's a a great designer or great chef or Mm. Mm. could you really say that someone is, is a, a bad chef? Like, sure. Maybe if you polled a hundred people, they might, you know, if a hundred out of a hundred people said this tasted bad, I guess you could say they're, they're, they're bad, but it makes more sense to sort of put the spotlight on people who excel and question what is it that kind of, can make them good or great. And I think another thing that I was thinking about was actors can, they can change drastically. I mean, a really famous example, I think over the last sort of 10 years is is Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. And I feel like, I think we were a little bit too young to fully appreciate who Matthew McConaughey was sort of when those first five to 10 years that he was in the industry. But most of what we know of him, what we've consumed over the last, you know, 10 years has been just incredible performance and you kind of forget that this person was considered to be a bit of a nothing rom-com trash Mm. movie Mm. actor. Mm. Nicolas Cage is another person that's kind of famously trashed as being a bad actor, but I know he's had some films that, that people love. Like I think, um, Oh, what's that movie? The, the one where they're American and they're like trying to find the map for National the treasure. treasure. National Treasure. What a National great, treasure. What a great I watched, movie. I watched that the other day. I watched oh, it the other day. Great movie. So good. So um, good. Another one that I wanted to point out was Robert Pattinson. When he came in in the Twilight <laughs> franchise, people just yep. kind of like said Robert Pattinson is deadpan and does nothing. But have you seen the film Good Time? No absolute you should watch that it's on netflix it's like 90 minutes indie movie and it's just basically a movie about a day of robert pattinson's character's life he is an older brother to 
um, well, his his young brother basically a bank robbery goes wrong, and his young brother gets locked up, and it's just about the next sort of twenty four hours or so of, of Robert Pattinson's character trying to get his brother out of jail. Very weird, trippy, psychedelic movie. Wouldn't recommend watching it if you're in like the mood for like a a light bit of something, but I watched that movie and I was like, Robin Pattinson is brilliant. And yeah. all of a sudden, just from 90 minutes, I've changed my opinion of him. Like he's probably, maybe he's developed mm. a little bit, but I guess all of this is to say that all it takes is one show or, or you know, film or something for us to change our opinion of, of whether yeah. someone's good or not. And yeah. probably fundamentally they, the person doesn't change that much as an actor that quickly from project to project, if you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I think it also, it also, there's a lot. I mean, especially, you know, if we're sp- talking about these people just for the meantime, Hollywood in itself, you know, you're going from different productions, different directors, you're acting alongside different people, you know, the cinematography. There's so much that can really influence um, a person's opinion on someone and, 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 and what they're doing, you know, like you could have a absolutely beautiful, beautifully shot film where as the actors, you know, maybe not that good and it doesn't support it, or it could be absolute the other way around. You could have an absolutely amazing actor, but everything else isn't supporting it either. Um, so, and, and I mean, and, and Hollywood, they're always in the limelight, you know, like everything that they're doing outside, um, of that. I mean, like you can look at, um, Tom Cruise, for example, you know, mm. maybe not, not everyone's cup of tea, but a lot of people don't like these actors because of, um, what they are outside of the camera mm. as well. And that influences them watching them on screen, whether they're going to see it or not, or whether they're going to go in with, um, pre-perceived perceptions of, mm. of, of what it's going to be like. Um, so I think it's 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 a lot harder um, to be a, a good actor in Hollywood. But, I mean, it only takes, like you said before, it only takes one movie for you to make it and then everyone's just trying to snap you up and then you've got this big, you know, big crown on top of your head that you've got to try to keep up there. Um, so there's, there's a lot of pressure. I think screen as well we've we touched on this in previous episodes the one where we were talking about screen versus versus theater. stage yeah as we said in that previous episode screen is such a a sum of you know all the parts that that go into yeah. it and yeah and i think part of what what i've learned and i'm sure you have as well the older we've gotten the more acting we've done the more uh film and television we've been exposed to is a is getting a greater appreciation for how important writing is and how important mm. editing is. Like, mm-hmm. If you have a great script, you can take a, a subpar actor and it could be brilliant. If yeah. you give great actors trash, there isn't that much that they can do yeah. to save it. Yeah. And it's the same with the editing process. I mean, one of the most sort of famous examples from the last couple of years has been Suicide Squad. Because there mm. were so many people in that movie that were great, great actors. I don't think anyone would would argue that, you know, from previous work that Jared Leto wasn't super talented, Will Smith wasn't super talented, um, you know, all the other people in that film. But whatever happened in the production process of testing the style with audiences and then they changed the tone of yeah, the editing because right. something and responded with different audiences better. And so it didn't matter that the, the actors had put in this performance. The editors and the producers turned it into this project. And so everyone mm-hmm. saw Suicide Squad and kind of went, well, this is terrible. The actors are, are terrible. But you can take you can take great performances 
or even just okay performances and piece them together in such a way that we as an audience go, well, this, you know, this is terrible acting from Will Smith or Jared Leto or, mm. and scream because it's such a, you know, a sum of all these other people, you know, there's much less control on, on the performance. It doesn't mean there's no correlation between great films and great performances. Um, yeah. I, I mean, do you, are there any standout performances from screen films that you've, that you've watched that you've always thought that is like the peak of acting or are there any screen actors that are your are favorites of yours because of how consistently great they are in multiple roles or yeah yeah um i mean i've always been a fan of leonardo DiCaprio. Mm-hmm. um i feel like you know it took him a while to finally get that oscar and whether whether that was actually the right oscar to get it on i'm not entirely sure i mean revenant was still a great movie but i feel can- like you can say that it wasn't the right movie. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't think it was the right movie. I think he could have got it on a, on a few others. But yeah, I've always been a fan of him. I mean, all the way back from the Titanic, which is one of my one of my faves. Um, I mean, Wolf of Wall Street as well. I mean, not everyone's cup of tea, and I completely get that as a movie. It's not it's not everyone's type of genre and content mm. and stuff like that. But you know, I can watch him in that movie um, over and over again and just pick up on little bits and new things and stuff like that. Um, but I mean, actually speaking to what you were saying before about Matthew McConaughey, it's um it's Dallas Buyers Club and Interstellar. Yeah, I absolutely love those movies um i was having a conversation with mum uh before we came on the podcast actually and um yeah dallas buyers club came up while we were talking about it and you know the there's a you know we, we've talked about method acting before and methodologies and things like that and how a lot of actors can literally physically change themselves for roles but what matthew mcconaughey and jared Leto were able to do and what they were able to put in themselves into that movie was just absolutely amazing you know and and they mm. both got oscars for for that for that movie and it, it was it was an absolutely amazing movie and then interstellar as well interstellar completely surprised me and and keeping me the whole entire time and matthew mcconaughey if you've seen interstellar you know at the end of that movie is i just completely believe it i completely believe all of it you know yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that's, you're, you're so right. I'm glad you brought up Matthew McConaughey cause he's definitely been someone I've, I've watched. I mean, he's in Wolf of Wall Street as well. Even his small character in oh, that look, was amazing. He's in that for one scene, right? Yeah. And yeah. you remember him from, from that one scene and that, ah, oh, iconic. So good. Yeah, iconic. Um, what you said about methodology, I think is, is a really interesting talking point because clearly there there've been really strong methods and method associated mm. performances, but clearly like we've said before, methodology can't, cannot in of itself be something that makes someone a good actor or be reflective yeah. of a good act. I mean, I was listening mm. to a podcast with uh, David Tennant and Michael Sheen a few weeks ago. Nice. And Michael Sheen was basically saying that he kind of, he doesn't really have any method. He, he, he is someone that tries to not overanalyze and just mm. sort of, knows good writing when he sees it mm. knows projects that he wants to work on and doesn't try to do too much beforehand and yeah. I, i've probably paraphrased his opinions there but very clearly he was of the opinion that he he doesn't he hasn't discovered this thing which he uses to make himself a great actor whereas there are some people who their whole career has been based on on discovering that that methodology or that way of being a performer and have kind of used that 
for decades and decades and yeah. decades. Yeah. So clearly methodology can have some some influence, but there are probably people that are super into method that are crap. Like, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, I think there's something... I wrote down the word magnetism. Mm-hmm. There's a magnetism about people that are, are great actors, like you said, Matthew McConaughey or or you know leonardo dicaprio even someone like steve carell i've been yeah. rewatching the yeah, office, as man. i said and that's a completely different you know ballpark but he has this this magnetism as a performer whether you like the 40 year old virgin or or the office or more of the serious stuff that he's done clearly he has this energy that as an as an audience you can't deny whether the genre is as to your taste or not Mm. And it's funny to try and, you know, define what great acting is and then use a word like magnetism, which is kind of implying this indefinable feature. But clearly there's, <laughs> there's a shared, there's a shared element about, about these people that, uh, you know, are, are great performers. Um, yeah, yeah. How do you think, how do you think it compares to, to theatre? Because obviously, you know, as an audience member in the theatre, you, you see the pure rawness of what's in front of you. Of course, there's, you know lighting and set design and all that kind of stuff mm. that can that contributes but obviously a different experience comparing great great performances yeah i i th- i think for me the, i think the difference between stage and screen is that you know with screen there's so much going on in the sense of its editing and taking us away and what it can do and stuff like the way that it can tell a story is completely different to on stage whereas on stage it really comes down to the characters and the people that are in front of you to be able to tell that story mm. and i think for me when i'm watching a show if i it doesn't really come down to the individual, unless obviously it's a solo show, then that's completely different. But I think if it's an ensemble piece or there's, you know, a bit of a, a five-hander or so on and so forth, I want I can see whether the people on stage actually like each other or not, or like working, yep. you know what I mean? Like, I think for great people to have great chemistry on stage, they have to be able to have great chemistry in a rehearsal room or yep. outside, whether they're sharing a drink or so on and so forth. Whether this is me, I'm quite a sociable person when it comes to doing a show. So I like having really great relationships in a rehearsal room and great relationships outside of a rehearsal room as well, because yep. that can reinforce or enforce so much for on stage performance. So I think, you know, you, uh, for me, I've been in shows before and I've seen that uh, those two don't like each other in real life and so on and so forth. So I think for me, it, it comes down to, yeah, do, you know, do these people, have you cast it right? Do these people actually get along? You know, yeah. I think it comes down a lot more to, to human kindness and, 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 and uh, societal views on whether mm. it's going to work on stage or not, in my opinion. Yeah, because I think, you know, that's part of the reason why we love theatre is that, that sense of ensemble and you're right unless it's a it's a solo show yeah it tends to come down to the relationships that are on stage and and how much you buy into those relationships and and because we know as actors that have been you know studying and training and doing this thing for a decent number of you know decent number of years now i find when i go to the theater now i can't help but be critical yeah i can't help but sit there and i agree and, and be like I don't believe this relationship or I, uh, you know, it talks, talks to that whole, that lens of, 
of wanting to be overly critical or say, oh, this is bad, rather than being able to just appreciate. appreciate. Um, mm. Doesn't mean I can't sit down and watch a show and go, this is amazing. Yeah. But as I'm sure you've you've experienced, whether it's live or, or watching, you know, theatre online, we can't help but pick up when we don't believe that, that two people are engaging in the same way. And I feel yeah, like that's exactly. more common than than not believing that a single actor on stage isn't that character. And maybe mm. it would just, like you said, come down to casting. Yeah. You know, may, maybe it's more common for us to sit there and go, well, I don't believe this person in this role. Mm. And that was something about like Hamilton, right? We, we spoke about the original cast. Many of the, the cast members were not the same race or age as the people they were, they were portraying and it just clearly mm-hmm. didn't matter and that show no. and that writing and that casting but there are lots of times in theater where where we watch it and we're like this this just doesn't doesn't vibe right but that yeah. is completely different from if we had that reaction to something on on screen um how do you feel about what makes great actors to, to work with i mean that's kind of down a different mm. a different line but yeah yeah, yeah. no I, I was i was going to ask you exactly the same question um uh i think for me i mean it's like i said i need to be able to get along with the person you know mm. um i mean whether we've got like speaking roles together or not i feel like everyone in the rehearsal room ha- has has just have to work it just has to work i you know i feel like i've been in a, a few productions where you know i feel like someone's trying to like overact you know just to kind of not show yeah show yeah show off i guess you know they're trying to really prove themselves but when it comes to stage i just feel like everyone has to be on the same page and you're all working towards the same thing even if you have one line even if you have no lines if you're an ensemble or you know whatever you are everyone's in exactly the same same mind frame and i think if you're a protagonist or an antagonist or whatever you have to have that same thought everyone behind you is trying to do exactly the same job that you're trying to do um so i think for me a a good actor to work with is someone that i get along with and appreciates what they're doing as well you know they've got to love what they're doing um but you know i mean similar to the way that i like to work is you know i obviously try and put a bit of myself in everything because I mean, it's got to come from somewhere that's what i like to work with it it kind of comes from somewhere within me um but then yeah I, I mean i have to believe yeah that the person aside me is is completely and utterly 100 percent in in what they're doing right now um so i think as much as what you're trying to convince the audience you just as much you need to be able to convince the people on stage with you as well um and i mean good actors as well listening 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 um you have to be able to react to absolutely everything that's happening on stage so a good actor is able to listen um and i think another good a good thing is um uh something that i love is surprise yeah um 
I really love actors working alongside that surprise me, that keep it fresh, that keep me on my feet, that keep them on their feet. Because I think it's a, if it's surprising for us on stage, not like throw everything, <laughs> all yeah. of the direction out of the way, but I think if it's, if it's surprising for us on stage, then it's going to be surprising for an audience as well because it's, it, it's, it's literally the embodiment of it keeping it fresh. Um, so, yeah, yeah I think, I think an, a good actor has to be able to look at the script and be able to make it their own words, um, but also keep everything everything fresh and, and locked down, really. I think the ability to, to improvise is often mm. reflective of, of great actors, and not in the, like, improv games, whose line is it anyway, let's completely rewrite the scene level of improv. It's more the ability to slightly change something on a on a on a night where it's half full audience and it's completely different vibe or it's just a yeah. day in rehearsal where everyone is super tired and no one wants to be there or simply picking up on on a cue that has gone wrong or gone differently and you just in- instinctively do something a yeah. little bit different and yeah. i think those moments in in stage are often what um is super super exciting and i think the oh, it's magic, ability to, yeah. ability to improvise and and simply react comes down to what you said about listening but probably also there's an element of of great actors being very comfortable with themselves as performers mm. like you said yeah, people i agree people who show off as actors or try to do too much i think generally speaking are probably not comfortable with themselves as performers and and don't know if they're good or they mm. don't think that they're good or they're trying to impress the people they're working with or the audience members. That was one of the, the very first things we did at Bristol Vic was this four weeks of workshop type class where we just played games and kind of the whole point of it was at the yeah, end cool. was was these the two polls that was run by two two senior acting <laughs> really? teachers who were both called Pauls, <laughs> both called Paul. And the whole point was they were like don't try and be funny don't try and be interesting don't try to show off just play you know these games or have these genuine relationships and it will be interesting to watch like, yeah exactly. one thing we yeah. just four people sat in a chair and the pauls would would say like you the aim of this of this game is for the four of you to get up but none of you are allowed to lead no one's allowed to do anything you have to do everything mm. together and the whole kind of the the predictable outcome is that the four individual people that were sitting on the chairs all have different levels of, of instinct and leadership and looking at each other. And as an audience, we just sat there and watched four people try and figure this thing out for seven minutes. And it was fascinating. Yeah. No that's doing so anything. Cool. Whereas if, <laughs> if the four people, you know, had tried to all be super clever and like try, I don't know, whisper to each other or try and make it happen. We as an audience would have been like, well, we can see you trying mm. and we wish mm. you you weren't. And so I think, yeah, there's there's an element of being comfortable with your own process. As I think yeah. you you definitely are, as we've we've said in previous podcasts, and you being super comfortable with theatre at least, knowing what your, your process is. And I think for me over the last few years that has been a part of growing as as an actor mm. has been trying to understand what I'm good at, trying to, you know, be okay with with my own process and yeah. not trying to do anyone else's process but just being like you know what i know that i'm 
I know that I'm talented. I know that I can, if it's good writing and I'm with a good ensemble, I know that I can be a, a valuable piece within this and I don't have to prove anything, anything more than that. Hard. I mean, obviously this, the script and the ensemble and the direction, like we said for screen, that's super important as well, right? It's harder to be a good actor if you're surrounded by people that you don't vibe with for whatever yeah. reason that, that might be. No, I agree. I completely agree. I um, think... Yeah, it's it's so hard to like self-assess what because I think it's such a different experience. You know, if you go if you you and I mean you you specifically, if you're an audience member in a show, a show that you've paid money for and you go to watch as a money you know, money spending member of the public and someone there's a performance that you thought was super impressive. Say Jonathan Groff as king george and hamilton that is such a different experience from you know you being in a rehearsal room alongside someone who you potentially know and they do something in a rehearsal that makes you go wow that wasn't like that is a completely different experience and yet it's the same reception of something like you said you, you said before mm. magic right magic yeah well that's exact i yeah i i, I love i mean i me, I love being an observer, you know, as much as I love being the center of attention in some circumstances. I love being an observer. And for me, is one of the most wonderful things is watching someone in a rehearsal room do something and then the director go, yes, you know, or just like, just ignite something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Keep it or like, you know, like, let's work with that. Let's run with that. Because for me, it's so fulfilling. Watch someone offer something and then it be taken. You know, like, I think that's such a fulfilling thing to watch and knowing that that person, there's a little spark in them somewhere going to be like, oh, like, good. Like, <laughs> yay, that was great. And I know that that's for me as well. If I offer something forward and it, it doesn't get taken, sweet, move on keep going next one but if i do offer something and it gets taken then it's like great keep going like keep running with it and i think everyone's got to have the same energy and same mindset to keep discovering and, and keep finding and, and 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 things with each other i mean a, a big thing for us um uh when we were doing our shows outside of uni um was um play you've yeah. you we've we've got to be able to play with each other you know if it's something serious or if it's not if it's comedy whatever it is you've got to be able to play with the people in the room with you because things just become way more organic and if it's organic for you then it's going to be organic for the audience but i mean like we were saying before some audience seats people see things completely different and you don't know until you get to opening night and then you get back to, to, after and you're like okay maybe that wasn't as, uh, as damn good as we, we thought this was funny that was the <laughs> yeah. bit of the show we've all been sure with self for like yeah. the last four weeks we came up with it day three we're like yes that's a that's an absolute <laughs> yeah. moment and then you get out there and nothing happens you're like yeah really Dang this it. is so this is so and then there's some throwaway line that doesn't mean anything they every night and like gets a massive massive reception um yeah one thing that i think is really interesting to to consider in terms of great actors and, and good actors a lot of the time the people that we consider to be great actors are people that we've seen lots, lots. generally you know generally yeah. speaking for a reason you know, yeah yeah on on screen or people that go across screen and 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 stage and it's funny that the more well-known you are as an actor, you know, with all the stuff that comes out, you know, your personal life and how you're known, like, politically or, you know, how involved in the industry you are, how outspoken you are about all these things. But the more known you are as a performer, 
the harder you have to work to convince people that you are the character in that certain thing. Yeah, I think exactly. in my head I'm trying to picture this as sort of some kind of maths graph and maths was not really my thing. I was okay at it, but I can't figure out what the shape is. But the better you get at something, the more success you have. And then like the more success you have, the harder you have to work to continue to, to convince people that yeah. you aren't that, that person. Like, I don't know, someone like Jake Gyllenhaal or, you know, someone that's Leonardo DiCaprio, super high profile people. Whenever they do a new project, they have to start convince. You know, you have to work even mm. even harder, which is why I think a lot of the time, unknown actors can have really great breakthrough projects because yeah. if, if we don't know who they are, we kind yeah, of don't it's... have to work through that that mm-hmm. first level of like, okay, this person's in in twenty fifty five future. Yeah, we know they live in current day, but I mean, a good example of, of that is. Uh, Christoph Waltz and Inglorious Bastards. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> yes. Back then, we kind of, no one really knew who who he was. So when we kind of got this performance, it was like, who's this guy? Like, we don't, <laughs> yeah. we have no attached, no attached history to him. Whereas I think now in the projects that he's done subsequently, people, I think generally speaking, the, the movie critical audience's perception of him has gone down just a little bit mm. because... Mm that first thing in Inglorious Bastards would be pretty hard to top just because yeah. he was he was so um, unknown. I'm also conscious of the fact that most of the actors we've talked about um, today are male. Obviously, are male. Great, obviously yeah. great actors yeah. and can be male or female. Uh, Olivia Coleman, Jodie Whittaker, a couple of my, my favourite um, female performers. Mm. Brie Larson's a big one for me. I love yeah. Brie Larson. Oh, she's great. Um, uh, Emily Blunt. Scarlett Johansson, I think, Scarlett is brilliant. Johansson. Maybe yeah. similar to Steve Carell in, in that she... Obviously, a lot of the movies that she's known for have been kind of action films, but mm. that mm. just because the genre is considered less you know, Oscar-worthy or whatever doesn't mean the performances don't have to be consistently great to make the, yeah, the movies. Yeah. Oh, the movies Jojo great. Rabbit. You seen Jojo Rabbit? I have seen Jojo Rabbit. Jojo Rabbit. I love that. That was such a great movie. So good. Yeah, it's just... It's weird to... It's, it's, and I think it's a it's a question that's worth considering and reflecting on as performers as we continue to to grow and develop our craft. But then there's also only so much weight you want to put into it. Like if you every day you're yeah. rehearsing, you went, oh, what's great? What's you know what's good? What's great? Obviously that that is not helpful at all. Yeah, no, I, I think I mean for me, like I do I do like working under pressure, mm-hmm. but I don't like putting too much pressure on myself. I think if I put too much pressure on myself, then that's when I can kind of really crumble away. But I mean, if there's exterior pressure on me to perform, then I tend to do quite well, which is quite weird. Mm. Um, but yeah, that actually, yeah, I don't know how that works, but that, that is how it works for me. Yeah, I, I, um, I kind of really like to just, I mean, much like as you were saying about Michael Sheen before, it's I don't like to overanalyze things too much. Yeah. If, if if the director or the writer wants to overanalyze something for me, great. And then I can take that on and then I can really try and, try and to start find it. But I, I really like finding things on my feet. I don't like to sit down with a script too much and get really nitpicky and things like that. I'm, I'm all physical, so I love to be on and, and find it in the moment. And with my, and with my co-stars as well, I love to find 
find things with them because they can enforce so much of your own performance as well. Um, but once again, if it's if it's a solo performance, then it really comes down to you and the audience. You know, how much is the audience giving back to you? How much are you giving to the the audience and and keeping that kind of stuff? Um, but yeah, no, I I very much like to just float with the wind, find it as I go, and when I find it, I hold on to it. And I think unless you're even if you're doing that solo show, you gotta you gotta know the writing's good to want to do it. Oh, exactly. Even, even yeah. at this stage, if someone came up to you tomorrow and like, there's a solo show, I want you to be in it. I want it to feature you as a performer to be this 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 thing that blows you up into stardom. If you read the script and it was rubbish writing, you'd I, I hope you would probably just not not mm. take it on. Mm. Um, and I think the more the bigger projects you're in, whether you're in an ensemble of sixteen people in a in a Shakespeare production or you're in a you know an indie film that has only four actors but there's 20 people working behind the scenes the more we can limit how important we think we are as performers within what we're doing i think the better for both your performance the expectations you have of yourself the expectations of of the finished product it's kind of like we said about screen screen in particular you read the lines, you do the thing, you, you do you do everything within your power to give to the audience and the character, but once it's done, you just you gotta let it go out into into the world, whether it's yeah. the the audience's reception of it or the editors cutting you together. We're only a certain level of of, of importance. I mean, I've yeah. never met, you know, had a great conversation i've never had a in-depth conversation with leonardo dicaprio or or olivia coleman or but i imagine there's a level of them just being like well we do the thing and then that's job we get paid for it yeah exactly and i i think just to bring it back ever so slightly is you know with with screen you do maybe you do a few takes and then the movie is the final product whereas with a stage you could have a completely crap performance let's say i don't know opening night you know second night and then maybe five nights in you've had the best performance of your lifetime you know so there's there's it's hard to have this kind of consistency um when when you're doing a stage show and i think that also comes down to what is a good actor is that consistency you're able to put out the same performance and same energy every single night um and but I mean you know it's not often that some people go to a show twice but there are some people that go to a show twice and you want to make sure that you're giving the same performance every single time um, much like a movie you can watch the movie uh, once or twice and you know exactly what you're getting whereas it's got to be the same you've got to be able to give the opening night audience exactly the same performance to the closing night audience as well I think at the age we're at now there's, there's kind of an element of like prodigy right like oh you know young Mm. people do breakout performances and oh they're like the next great the great thing you know DiCaprio being an example of that but you know there are great actors which take decades to have the project which shows that I mean someone like Brian Cranston is a great example it Mm. wasn't until Mm. Malcolm in the Middle and he acted that I've you know read his autobiography was acting all the way from being like 20 years old and it was took years and years and years and years for him to get the thing that worked for who he was or just to get the opportunity doesn't mean he wasn't a great actor from age 20 to to 40 or however he old he was in that production it's just yeah the opportunity to be in and something i mean yeah that's kind of what we're all 
all waiting for right as well exactly as performers the opportunity to be in the great thing which allows you or allows me in the individual actor bubble persona that we are to to shine with what we have going for us yeah i i that's the one thing i realized young is when, when i decided i wanted to do acting is that a it's not going to make me a lot of money i'm fine with that i love it and b i i'm going to be doing this for the rest of my life yeah if i don't make it now that doesn't mean I'm not going to make it when I'm 30 or when I'm 40 or when I'm 50 or when I'm 60. You know, there's still so many people acting um, at an older age. So even if my time isn't now, that doesn't mean I can't keep doing it, enjoying it. And then my time might really start flourishing 20 years from now. And I'm yeah. fine and content with that because I still love it right now. And hey, better to, to have that passion and and over the years things start to go better and you know as you said over the next however long things projects and opportunities you know start to present themselves better that than the people that have starring roles and things when they're 15 or 18 or 21 are critically acclaimed for that or massive box office success and then they just fall off off. professionally imagine that life of of having known that you were the center of the pop culture world for this year or this month or mm. and then and then you didn't get the opportunity or things just went completely wrong as we know happens quite often with child stars quite so often yeah i think you and i share that that th- it's an optimism but it's also a realism of knowing that the the only important thing is this unwavering love for for the craft and continuing to work on our, ourselves and have projects as they go and, and being okay with the fact that it's not going to be one thing and then once that finishes you get the next thing and each mm. each project is going to make you more money and more success until inevitably the oscar comes out project number 16 like we know it doesn't work <laughs> like that and no. and being comfortable with that probably you know says a lot for who we are as as performance performers yeah. as much as what we can actually do in a production on on stage yeah so true so true what makes a great actor? Pretty, pretty hard question to answer. It is, it is a hard question. I think it's also hard actors are, uh, aren't trying to answer that question as well. You know, because yeah. we we do we have a different uh, I don't know insiders knowledge, but at the same time, are we also critiquing ourselves at the same yeah. time? It, it is. Yeah. It's a hard question, but I think it's uh, um, you know it's it's important to try and see how how we're thinking about yeah. these kinds of things, and maybe we'll put out put out a cheeky little poll on on instagram or or facebook in the the build up to releasing this or after we've released this because yeah it'd be really interesting to hear what people think you know Mm. what makes a great actor for them or people that they they consider to be brilliant actors yeah why is it that they they think that because like you say we're kind of we're somewhat on we're on the inside it's hard to (laughs) you know close your eyes and imagine what it would what it would be like to be to be outside but yeah, look forward to maybe hearing what what other our, other people, our, our listeners, all across the world, far and wide, all across and as, the world. As we always say every episode, thank you so much to the people people who are listening. We're we're chugging along and we're trying to continue to to do new and different things every week. And and thank you to to those of you who whether you're listening to this the day it gets released or whether it's five weeks from now and you're slowly 
catching up. We see you people five weeks late. You're we still valued. You. you can get there. <laughs> We're not far off. You're so close. Um, but yeah, thank you everyone for, for continuing to, to listen and, and support. We, we're continuing to, to have a blast. Yeah, and thank you, James, honestly, as a, as I say every single time. It is always an honour and a pleasure to be doing this with you and taking, taking time out of your incredibly busy schedule at the oh, moment look, to just, do it. I mean, I'm in my trailer at the moment. I've got to be on set <laughs> in like 10 minutes to shoot this thing and then you know i've got makeup take off after oh. that and then interviews oh. and look it's lifestyle of the the rich and the famous what can i say man um <laughs> but no in all seriousness thank you matt and i should also say thank you very much for the uh the beers that you you sent me they arrived uh oh. last week but i didn't have a chance to to open them until yesterday uh our little bruise delivery aspect of the rose and bruise podcast which will make a glorious return next it week will. it will it will um but yeah thank you for today thank you uh for for everything generally and we will see you next time peace